Thank you. You can be seated this morning. Man, it's an honor. Um, it's a privilege, honestly, to have you here with us this morning. And uh, I can't tell you, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm so excited for what God is doing in and through Grace Church. And I'm excited um, for where he's taking us and what the future has for us. And I am excited for our first ever GC Summit next Sunday. It's going to be a great, great thing for our church. We're excited to hear from you. We're excited to move forward together uh, the vision that God has given us to impact this region for good, for His glory and for His honor. Uh, we've, we've sent out invitations, electronic invitations have been sent. And hopefully you've already signed up for the summit. And if not, I urge you to do so. I really do. This event is going to move us forward like never before. Um, it's, it's just going to be a, a very powerful thing for our church. And um, I, I just urge you, I encourage you to sign up for the GC Summit. Also, we're inviting you to join us on a week-long fast. And like I said last Sunday, you know things are getting serious when a big guy like myself is going to fast, okay? So uh, we do, we invite you to come and join us um, and, uh, uh, on this week-long fast. And, and, you know, even though fasting changes us, fasting in, in God's goodness, it also can lead to answered prayers. Ezra chapter 8, and verse 23, it says, So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and He answered our prayer. We are praying that this summit next Sunday will greatly benefit our church, and we're trusting that God will answer those prayers. And, and the scriptures is filled with verses that talk about the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are a representation to this community of Jesus Christ. And we have to be of one mind. We have to be going the same direction. And that's what we're going to work hard to accomplish next Sunday. I want to let you know where we're going. February 7th, the first Sunday in February, we're going to be starting a study through the book of 1 John. And it's called Light, Love, Life. It's a seven-week series through the book of 1 John. And it was written by the Apostle John. And it was written when he was an older man. And he was actually writing to younger generations. And I am so excited about this. I've said excited a lot. I sound like Tim Tebow. All right? I am so excited about this as well. Because uh, this book in the Bible speaks directly to the younger generations to encourage you in your faith, to inspire you to live your life uh, for Jesus and his kingdom. And so uh, February 7th, we're going to be, begin that study, Light, Love, Life. Today is part three of our series in January called T-10. And we called it that because we are getting ready for a launch. We are preparing for big things. And as I was preparing for this series, I imagined the training and the preparations involved in becoming an astronaut. How many, come on, be honest, how many of you ever really wanted to be an astronaut? Come on, all right? All right? The rest of you are liars, Okay. <laughs> We all know that astronauts don't just suit up and fly into space. They have to undergo hundreds of hours of training. They, they learn about space technology and science. They have to learn medical skills and how the International Space Station works. They learn how to scuba dive. And, and this is just the basic training. As they move on in their advanced training, they learn even more details about the International Space Station. They receive training on transport vehicles and the involvement of ground control. 
They begin working very closely with other members of their crew. They begin to learn special skills that will be linked to their specific mission. They do a lot of parabolic flights so that they can become familiar with weightlessness. The training that an astronaut goes through takes several years. And most of those years are spent with the crew so they can get to know each other, so they can get to uh, be connected and know each other very well, and so that they can have a strong foundation of trust between them. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be launched into space with someone, I want to trust them, okay? I want to trust them. You know, that's just a brief snapshot of the training that astronauts have to go through. And that has nothing to do with all the planning and all the work that it takes to actually get them into space. It takes a lot of manpower, lots of money, lots of teamwork. It takes a lot of collaboration, a lot of problem solving and creativity. It takes a lot of effort to get a human being into outer space. About nine hours before the shuttle launches, the external tank is filled with liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen. The loading process, you know, just getting the astronauts onto the shuttle takes almost three hours. And when the final countdown begins, T minus 10 seconds, the three main engines are started. And when the countdown clock ticks to zero, the solid rocket boosters ignite and it causes this massive machine to lift off, to take off. During the first moments of ascent, okay, I'm a little bit of a nerd, 300,000 gallons of water are used to cool the pad surface and to suppress the damaging sound waves caused by the launch. Once the space shuttle clears the pad surface, all of the ground control of the space shuttle systems are taken over by Johnson Space Center in Houston. And hopefully, they won't hear the words, Houston, we have a problem. Can you imagine all the planning, all the preparation, all the hard work, all the resources that are poured into this one moment? A moment everyone knows as liftoff. Astronauts, man, they don't endure all the training. They don't go through all the preparations just so they can get a badge. Like, I'm an astronaut. No, they do what they do for that dream. They do what they do for that vision of being strapped to a million pounds of fuel, staring straight up at the sky, ready to blast off into space. That's why they want to become an astronaut. They're ready to experience what only a few humans in the history of the world have experienced. You know what's fascinating to me is we don't see the astronauts sitting in language school. We don't see them studying about the space station. We don't see them training for weightlessness or learning how to speak um, another language. But everybody likes to watch liftoff. When that moment comes for liftoff, everybody tunes in. Everyone watches the launch. But you know, in order for that launch to become reality, the astronaut, throughout his or her journey, has to do some gut checks. 
If you're going to strap yourself to a million pounds of fuel, you're going to have to ask yourself a few questions along the way. Do I really believe this is possible? Is this really what I want to do with my life? Am I willing to put in the hard work to see this dream become a reality? Will I do what it takes? Will I do what it takes to get to space? You know, as I thought about liftoff in our context, I couldn't help but think of all the planning and all the praying and all the preparation, all the training and all the studying, all the efforts that have been put in and are going to continue to be put in to the vision of impacting this region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are preparing, church, for liftoff. We are. And church, we are praying for big things. We are planning and we are preparing for growth. And our dream is to be used of God to impact this region to the glory of God. That's our dream. But before we go any further, you know, last Sunday was just, I was trying to inject encouragement into your hearts and into your souls. And this week, the Lord said, you need to make sure that the church is ready. The title of the sermon today is Gut Check. I think we need to make sure we have a gut check before we take one step further, before we go down the road anymore, we need to make sure we're ready. Is this really what you want to do with your life? Do you believe that God can do the impossible? Are you willing to put in the hard work? Are you willing to give what it takes? Will you allow God to transform your life, to lead your life, and to prepare you for liftoff? You know, the world, honestly, Grace, the world doesn't want to watch us huddle up every week. That's not going to impact them. They could care less. What the world needs to see most is our faith in action. And you know, this book, the Word of God, is all about action. It's all about action. It's about hearing the Word of God. It's about hearing from God. And then it's about going out and doing something about it. That's what it's all about. You know, man, I am so grateful and honestly so very blessed to have grown up in a home where the Word of God was not only talked about often, but it was lived out in front of my own eyes. I think back to my childhood, and I, I can see my mom, I can picture my mom right now reading the scriptures at the kitchen table. Often uh, in the summer months, she'd be sitting out on the back deck reading the scriptures. I can't remember a night where my mom didn't come into my room and pray with me. My dad often read short passages of the Bible to us in the evenings, and I'm sure there was many times where he was a wee bit frustrated because he was trying to impart all this wisdom and knowledge into us, you know, and we were just messing around and uh, fighting with, with each other. But I can remember doing family devotions. I'm so grateful for parents who didn't play church. They didn't mess around. 
parents who took the words of God seriously. I'm, I'm grateful for parents who knew the greatest investment in my life wasn't making sure that I had the name brand attire. It wasn't showing me how to fall in love with money or material things. Their focus wasn't making sure I had the latest pair of $100 Air Jordans. But rather, they taught us about God. They taught us about the power of prayer, the value of hard work. And they showed us how to love and how to respect people. And at the age of 13, I made that faith my own. At the age of 13, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And I said, Jesus, however you want to use my life, I give it to you. When I was in high school, I finally got that pair of Air Jordans that I wanted, okay? I finally got them. But you know what's, what's crazy is I quickly outgrew them. The sides of my Air Jordans blew out because I have fat, big hobbit feet. <laughs> Hairy. Those shoes did not live up to their promise. I couldn't jump any higher. I couldn't run any faster. And I was trying my hardest. Trust me. But you know what? The investment of God's Word in my life, being able to see the power of prayer, learning how to work hard, being shown how to love people, those things have carried me to this day, and they're going to carry me into the future. Those things have lived up to their promise. I have not outgrown it. They have not blown out the sides. They are still with me. I am blown away. I'm blown away by the greatness of God. Blown away. You know, this relationship with God that I, that I made the decision to start at the age of 13 has transformed my life. I mean, who knows where I would be today without God, without His Word, without His Spirit, without His people influencing my life. I'd probably be in prison. I'd probably be dead because I know how wicked my flesh is. If it was up to me, my life would have gone down a completely different path. But God had different plans. I, I want to ask you, church, do you really know God? Do you really know Him? I'm going to pray this morning and then we're going to get into the meat of the message. But I just, I need to pray. Father God, I don't want to be scared to say anything. Lord, give me the courage to say whatever you want me to say. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, I think back to the time in my youth and uh, I was actually reading in the book of Matthew and I'm not trying to, gosh, it was rare moments many times that I was reading the scriptures on my own. But I was reading the book of Matthew and as I came to some words that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 7, these words from Jesus, they wrecked me. These words of Jesus, they wrecked rattled me. They shook me to the core. The words I read are found in Matthew chapter 7. And 
specifically focusing in on verses 21 through 23. And in this section of Scripture, Jesus gives a serious gut check to everyone who's listening. Okay, so let's read Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus said, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. Verse 23. This is is what shook me. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me you who break God's law. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. You know, the first gut check that I want to give us this morning, church, is I want to ask, do you believe to the point of action? Okay, it's not just enough to believe. It's not just believing. It's believing to the point that you actually do something about it. You take action. Do you believe to the point of action? You know, I I honestly, I, I can't help but wonder how many people in the church wrongly assume that they're good with God. Because I think we grossly underestimate what it's going to be like when we see Jesus face to face. On that day, many will say, Lord, I did this, and Lord, I did that. Lord, look at my long list of good deeds. Lord, look at all the non-profits I started. I, I I did good because I did all those good things. Right, Lord? Right there in Matthew chapter 7, it says many will hear the horrific words from God. I never knew you. You you can go to church without really knowing God. You can do great things in the community without really knowing Him. Church, it's time for a gut check. Do Do you hunger for God? Do you long for Him? When no one else is around, do you have a deep love for God? Because it's out of that relationship that your actions should flow. It's out of that that you should be doing the good deeds. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Church, I have to be honest, I've struggled this week because, man, last Sunday was just a huge dose of encouragement and it was almost like a complete 180 this Sunday. Like, I'm going to just, I don't want to blast them over the head. But I honestly believe it would be ministry, it would be pastor malpractice if I didn't take you to these verses and say, do you really know Him? Do you really know Him? What does it mean to do His will? 
Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter heaven. What does it mean to do His will? First, I want us to talk about what what it's not. Okay? Doing the will of God is not playing church. It's not checking off your religious duty checklist. Okay? Like, man, I did this and I did this. We're going to take communion this week and I got that checked off. I'm good. That is not doing the will of God. It's not trying to follow all the rules, and it's not making up a bunch of new ones. The truth is, you cannot do the will of God in your own strength. Your will isn't strong enough. You you can't figure God out. You can't put God in a test tube and go, ah, yeah, I got him figured out. You can't impress God with all your goodness because from the very onset of your existence... As a human being, you were broken. You were broken because of sin. There is no way, none, zero, zilch, nada, no way that you can impress God. Because the only thing He's impressed with is perfection. And you ain't perfect. No matter what your mama told you. The will of God is that we would be perfect in His sight. And the only way to be perfect in the sight of God is through Jesus Christ. When God looked down on Justin, He saw a broken, wicked, sin-filled wretch. That's what He saw. As a 13-year-old boy, through faith, Jesus came into my life. And 1 John 1.7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me. His blood covers me. Now, when God looks at Justin, he looked at me before. It was sin, it was wickedness, it was a wretch. But through faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus covers me. So now... When God looks at Justin, he doesn't see wickedness. He doesn't see filth and lust and evil desires. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. I am perfect, which is, it it blows my mind. I am perfect in the sight of God, not because of me. Had nothing to do with me. But I am perfect in the sight of God because of Jesus Christ. Because He covers me. Underneath that covering, I'm still battling wicked desires. My flesh, I'm still battling it daily, hourly, secondly. But God the Father sees the covering of Jesus Christ. I'm protected because of the covering. So so what is the will of God? It is God's will that you would love Him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. That is the will of God. You know what's amazing is in that place of loving Him so deeply, in that place where you have a relationship with God, you don't have to fear anything. 
you become fearless because your eternity is secure. Chris, Pastor Chris said, man, we should be the most celebratory people on the planet. I say as well, we should also be the most secure and confident people on the planet. Not prideful and, you know, in your face, but confident. We're not afraid because our eternity is set. We're confident in who our Father is. You become fearless because your sins have been forgiven. Isn't it such a a nice place to be when you are not afraid? You're not anxious and all torn up inside and, and you're just at peace. I know the God in heaven and he's watching over me. What an incredible thing. God even watches over the birds of the air. He doesn't let a single sparrow fall to the ground without his knowledge. Are you secure in his love? Do you have that type of confidence in God? Are you confident about tomorrow because of who you serve and because of your creator? Do you love God? Are you growing in your relationship with God? Man, do you love those times where you can just be alone with God, just you and Him. There's no one else around. You actually don't want anyone else around. You just want that time with God, just you and Him. You just love those moments. You love those times. Or is it just in public settings like this? Church, I, oh man, I, I'm trying to say this in grace and love, but I don't want you to be the person that is all religious on Sunday morning and it's gone the rest of the week. I don't want you to be that person that's all religious in a public setting because you want everybody to know, like, oh man, that's such a good person. They're so good. Do you truly know Him? Because at the end of everything, at the end of everything, there will be a time that you stand before God. And no one is going to be there with you. It's just going to be you and Him. It's just going to be you and Almighty God. He's going to say one of two things to you. He's going to say either, Well done. Well done. You loved my Son. You, You trusted in Him. I saw the Holy Spirit at work in your life. I saw Him moving in you. I I have been waiting for this moment. I love you. Enter into my kingdom. Well done. Or He will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Do you know where you stand with God? Be secure in this. This is, this, this is not something to be unsure of. Be secure in this. There's nothing more important than to be connected with the God of the universe. Nothing more important. I want to close the message this morning with a passage that's, that's really another gut check for us. It's actually a, a section of Scripture that's been on my heart lately. and It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 3 and 4. And it says, For a time is coming 
when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Okay, a time is coming when people will no longer put up with this book. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. The GC Summit next Sunday is our attempt to fully carry out the ministry God has given us. But in this section of Scripture, he says a time is coming when people are going to do whatever they want to do and they're going to justify their actions by finding teachers. They're going to find someone with a PhD. They're going to find someone with a theology degree. They're going to find someone who, who will tell them, hey, it's okay. It's okay to keep doing what you're doing. You, you, you know, you're good. It's okay to keep living the way you're living. You know, what's crazy is in this passage, he's not talking about the world. The world has always been this way. Okay, the world, people have always been in love with themselves. In this passage, he's talking about the church. In the last days, sin will become acceptable in the church. It's going to filter in here. Sin is going to become acceptable in the church. People will follow after their own desires. It's going to be an all-about-me environment in the church. People will become lovers of themselves. You know, sociologists say this generation, like our generation right now, is the most narcissistic generation in all of human history by a long shot. We are so in love with ourselves. We, we think it's normal for everyone on earth to make a page about themselves. We put all of our best pictures and all of our accomplishments and we try to increase the number of likes. And we think it's normal. This is normal. In the last days, people are going to be in love with themselves and it's going to be the people in the church. As a church, we're, we're never going to be able to lift off. We're never going to be able to impact our culture if we have an all-about-me environment. If it's all about me. Most sin stems from the fact that that you're constantly thinking about yourself. In those days, people will go to church not because they're in love with God, but because they're thinking, if, if I come here, maybe I can get a business connection and get a better job, you know? If I come here, maybe I'll feel better about myself. If, if I come here, God will make my family healthy and wealthy and wise. Church, I think sometimes it gets to the point where it's not even about God anymore. Jesus didn't say, follow me because you're going to get all these things. When Jesus called his disciples, he said, follow me even if you lose everything. That's, that's the gospel. He didn't say, hey, come and see. He actually said, come and die. 
when I think to my salvation experience, and I, I wanted to know that I was right with God. I was moved to the point where I just wanted to know for sure. And so I went to my dad and I said, Dad, how, how do you know if you're good with God? I want to know. I want to be confident in my relationship with Him. How do you know for sure, Dad? How do you know for sure? And my dad just simply explained it to me. He said, do you believe this? Do you believe that you're a sinner? Do you believe that you were created by God and your sin broke the relationship with Him? Do you believe that He literally loved you so much that He sent His Son to die on a cross to pay for everything. Do you believe that? Do you believe that's your salvation? It, it isn't anything you can do on your own, but it's what He did for you. It's because of His Spirit in you. And because of that belief in Jesus Christ, and because of that faith, you are now a slave to righteousness. Do you believe that? You know, my dad, and he walked me through some scriptures, he walked me through some questions, and just, just making sure I understood the gospel. And I said, Dad, I, I believe that. I believe this. I believe in Jesus. I, I want to give my life to Him. And he said, okay, just, just pray to God, tell Him that, and then sleep tight, bud. You got this. You know, that was a start to, to my incredible journey of faith. And I have to say that I love Him now more than ever. And I have to say, I believe this message now more than ever. And my prayers have been for many of you my prayers have been that you will get it, that you'll understand that it won't just be head knowledge, but it'll move to your heart and you'll believe it so much, you'll believe it to the point of action. If you really get it, I honestly believe that you're, you won't be able to sleep tonight. You'll do whatever it takes to talk to a pastor who can show you from God's Word how to be saved. You'll find someone you know who really walks with Jesus. You look and you're like, that individual loves God. I know it. And you'll, you'll go to that person. You'll say, help me. Guide me. Because I want to know God. I want to know Him. Church, it's time for a gut check. And once again, I didn't want us to move any further down the vision path until we had this moment to say, do you truly know God? Do you truly know Him? I wanted to make sure you had the opportunity to be right with God because I didn't want us to get so caught up in activity. I didn't want us to get so caught up in impacting this community that you missed out on a relationship. A relationship with the Almighty I'm going to close in prayer. God, right now, I, I picture all the angels in heaven 
telling you and singing to you and proclaiming how holy you are and how great you are. And I just want to join them this morning and I want to say, God, you are amazing. God, I know that I did nothing to deserve this relationship with you. None of us did. But the fact that we can come into your presence right now is only because of what Jesus did on the cross. Otherwise, we are your enemies. We deserve your wrath. But Jesus took it all. He took the wrath of God upon himself. So I come into your presence boldly today through the blood of Jesus Christ, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you that I could be alive another day to tell people how great you are. God, I pray that some people here today will get it for the very first time. Their eyes will be open. I pray that they wouldn't do religious things, but they would adore you. They would long for you. They would pursue you every day for the rest of their lives. Thank you, Father, for everything you've done for us. We can't wait to see your face when our faith will become sight. Holy Spirit, please move now and open people's eyes to your beauty. Help them to see that life is so short. It's like a vapor. It's here for a moment and and it's gone. And help them to know the only thing that matters is knowing you. I pray that you would save. I pray for those that have already taken that step of faith. I just pray that you would reassure their faith this morning. And you would help us to move forward in confidence, knowing that our eternity is secure. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, we're going we're gonna to take communion this morning and I'm going to go ahead and ask if the servers would go ahead and start passing out the elements for communion. And I just want to ask you not to partake. I want to say a few things about communion first. You know, the Lord's Supper is a reminder of what Jesus did in the past by by laying his life down sacrificially for the salvation, for the deliverance of all. The Lord's Supper is a symbol of our present relationship with Him because He is in us and we are in Him. Our lives are in Him and He is in us. He is the bread of life. And it's because of His perfect blood that we can be reconciled back to God. Communion is also a promise of what He is going to do in the future. You know, whenever we participate in this time, whenever we take communion, we are reminded of the promise that Jesus is going to return. He's coming back again. And whenever we eat the bread and we drink this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until He returns. As we pass out the cups, as we pass out the bread, I want you to respond in prayer this morning. I encourage you to become a Christian, first of all, by confessing your sin in Jesus by asking Him to forgive you, by asking Him to be your God. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, like me, you've got some sin to confess. I want you to use this moment to 
confess your sins. And you know, God is gracious. He, he will forgive us. And as the music is played and as the music is sung, I want us to partake of communion, remembering the body and the blood of Jesus and just reflecting on why He is so great. Father God, thank you for the gut check this morning. Once again, all that truly matters is knowing you. In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen.